There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Starting a family is undoubtedly an exciting time, but the reality of seeing a positive pregnancy test can send even the most laid-back woman into a spiral of sleepless nights. Trust me, I've been there. We're here to tackle the conundrums that keep many mums-to-be, just like me, awake at night when they find out their life is about to change forever. Hello and welcome to Baby on the Brain, a podcast brought to you by Stylist Magazine, dedicated to the big life questions you face when you find out you're pregnant. My name is Fliss, I'm the digital executive editor at Stylist and I'm pregnant with my first child. I am 31 weeks pregnant and I'm bouncing on a gym ball as I speak with just nine weeks to go until my due date. The joys of sciatica have uh, taken me down this week. Every week I'm joined by a different co-host and today I would like to reintroduce a former Baby on the Brain guest, Adana Steinecker. Adana is a doctor turned entrepreneur who has forged a successful career as one of the UK's leading family content creators and was a guest talking to me about identity in episode one. Together we're going to be discussing today's big question which is all about sacrifices. Welcome back Adana, how's baby number three cooking? Thank you so much Fliz, it's a pleasure to be back again. Um, Baby number three is doing okay. Um, Besides the weird and wonderful pregnancy symptoms but um yeah I'm managing okay thank you how are you yeah I'm all right thanks I feel like it's it's a Friday we're recording on a Friday I could have a moan if I wanted to but it's nearly the weekend and I'm looking forward to a zero percent beer (laughs) you know what Fliz as someone who's doing this for the third time enjoy your Fridays off because whenever (laughs) people tell me it's the weekend it's the weekend I'm like that doesn't make a difference to me I have two hyperactive toddler boys there is no such thing as a lie-in there is no such thing as you know Netflix and chill all weekend so definitely and I wish someone told me this the first time around because then I thought I was suffering (laughs) right so tonight I'm just gonna binge eat binge watch and uh, have a lion tomorrow. Would that make you happy? That would that would really be in your best interest. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your first bit of advice. Thank you so much. So I suppose that leads us quite nicely to discussing the sacrifices we make. Um, before we meet our guest, I thought we should just dive in. So as a first time mum, what I'm really dying to ask other mums is whether you feel like you've made sacrifices, whether that's in your career, whether that's in your personal life, whether that's any sort of sacrifice. Yes, I've made loads of sacrifices. And I'll tell you honestly, I didn't understand the level of sacrifices that I would have to make before I had the baby. So, I mean, my story goes like this, you know, have this awesome boyfriend, fall in love, get engaged, get married, get excited about getting pregnant. And at that time, I was really deep into my career as a 
as a junior doctor and with all this ambition to be the best plastics and reconstructive surgeon, do all of these trainings, like I really didn't understand what the sacrifices meant. Um, and I think it started to hit me only after the baby came because although um, I had to stop work, you know, four weeks before took my maternity leave and I was at home, after the baby came and I personally felt like I had lost out on my community, you know, being the first one amongst my friends who had a baby and then mm. being in a network of other doctors whose work schedules were crazy. So there was no such thing as afternoon brunches or anything like that. So sort of like <laughs> you would do when you just have a baby, no walks in the parks with people that are familiar to you. So no amount of equality would have, created a situation where my husband would be at home in the breastfeeding days rather than rather than me and of course the dynamics of you know still bringing in money to sustain the family he had to work but for me I felt like that was a huge sacrifice being at home um and although everyone tells you oh you're doing it for the baby you're only supposed to think about the good which I I do believe you are supposed to but it doesn't change the fact that you're coming from this you know highly professional highly ambitious yeah we'll get a lifestyle to all of a sudden you can't have any adult conversation with anybody whatsoever and uh, I really felt you know I felt really resentful every day that he woke up in the morning and kissed us goodbye to go to work and then he comes back to ask, oh, how was your day? And I'm thinking, how did you think my day went? I have not spoken to anybody all day. So that was the first sacrifice because, of course, in the medical profession, you know, one year, one year off work is one year of someone else's training. And that's one year, that's one year advantage that your colleagues have over you to get promoted or to get into the training scheme that they need to be. So that was the really first sacrifice that I felt like I made by being a mom. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Cause it's, I, I'm not sure what I'm scared of so much, but I just know that I am, I feel like I'm making a load of sacrifices and, and I know it'll all be worth it. And I, I keep reminding myself that there's, I think the thing I forget more than anything is that there's going to be a tiny baby. There's going to be a tiny baby that you get to get to keep at the end of it. But I'm worried about the money. I'm worried about the sacrifices. I'm worried about my career. Um, You know, I worry about everything else to do with me. And that's really, it's very selfish, but I'm not surprised. I've spent my whole life just thinking about me. Yeah, I think it's normal to have these feelings, but um, the, the reality is this is where we are now. How can you make the most of it? And I think the beauty of, you know, having a community on the internet, which I didn't know existed before becoming a mom. I wasn't going online looking for mom hubs because I was just busy working every single day. But coming into that this bubble or this different world that there is a community motherhood there is a community of women who are making the same sacrifices as you who are sharing their experiences I think the more we open our ears and our hearts um the easier it is for us to deal with um that that, that is just the the reality of course but it's not selfish to think about or to worry about what 
what your career is going to look like because ultimately it is a sacrifice. But at the end of the day, like you said, we get to keep the babies. <laughs> I think at this point, it would be worth acknowledging that you know, I'm well aware of the privilege that surrounds making these sacrifices. It is a privilege to be able to make these sacrifices. It is a privilege for me to be able to say, I'm going to take maternity leave and spend X amount of months looking after my baby. And I'm, I feel very grateful that I, I can do that. Um, but it doesn't stop the fear, which <laughs> I think is a good time for, to introduce our guest. So waiting in the wings, we have the fabulous Anna Whitehouse, AKA journalist, author, and founder of Mother Pucker, which started out as a blog and has taken on a life of its own as a hugely successful business headed up by Anna, which saw her launch the Flexible Working Campaign. The Mother Pucker tagline for people who happen to be parents speaks to my soul. So I'm really pleased to be able to welcome Anna to the conversation today. Hello. Hi, hello. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I really felt what Anna said earlier, just about um, the celebration of the weekend. And you're like, nah, <laughs> it's uh, basically walking on Lego, like scraping kids off floors and chipping off hardened porridge off kitchen tables. So, um, you know, welcome to the other side, Fliss. Thank you so much. And I'm thrilled to be halfway there. Um, so Anna, you've got kids. Do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit and the, maybe the flexible working campaign? Yeah, so I have two kids. I had my first in Amsterdam, uh, so I'm half Dutch. And that was kind of why I launched Flex Appeal, our campaign to fight for flexible working, because I'd had one kid in Holland where everybody left the office on time. It was really flexible uh, and I experienced it working. And then I had one kid in London and was just hit by this brick wall of, um, you dared to procreate so now we must push you out of the workforce. And I had experienced it working elsewhere. And then I put my flexible working request in um, to the L'Oreal group, uh, who I have a very good relationship with still. Uh, I didn't leave because it wasn't worth it. Um, we were still. Um, and, uh, but they were like all other companies at that time. If we do it for you, we'll have to do it for others. And there was all this protocol. And, you know, they were fearing opening the floodgates. So I went on Instagram to posting about um, avocado toast. And you know what? All the other things we were doing where we didn't really understand Instagram and then suddenly I just went I quit my job today because the system isn't working and I had like 63 followers and I had about I think about 74 likes uh so that was a you know that was a, that went beyond the avocado toast um and um, that was really where it began was probably talking about sacrifices was questioning well why should we have to sacrifice so much because I have seen that it works across the English channel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a point that I want to start the conversation with talking about sacrifices in terms of work is that I, and I know Adana has said something very similar, it's the resentment I feel towards my partner um, about me sacrificing my career, possibly, to have a baby. This is the panic. It's the panic and the resentment. And... I just wondered if you had thoughts on this, not only as someone who has been pregnant and probably had all these fears, but as someone who is so 
has fought so hard for equality and flexibility. No, I'm just really angry uh, all the time in my household. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, the male ally has a long way to go. Um, I suppose my, I was quickly going to ask Dana, like, uh, what, how does it work in your house uh, at the moment before I come on to my home? <laughs> well, the the great thing about our working situation, so I've quickly then, even after going through everything, all of the sacrifices with my career and the struggle of trying to get back to a medical surgical profession after maternity leave, everything just led me towards the ultimate transition to entrepreneurship. And one of the, the reasons was flexible working hours that I could control my work because when I just had my first son um, I was in surgery and I would go a whole week without seeing him he was barely two but my working schedule even the 24-hour calls and all of that I just didn't see him awake so all of that over the years building my company building my brand my digital brand just gave me the courage to say, you know what, this is the season of my life. My kids are very young. I will transition out of medicine for now and see how it goes. So I've gotten that flexibility, uh, but we all know the the highs and lows of working for yourself as well. It's not like you decide you're not gonna (laughs) do anything Monday to Friday. And then fortunately for my husband, he also works for a tech company that provide flexibility to some extent of course um not as much for as not not as much as women but they are flexible so the way that it works in my house is if something needs to be done i i like to actually talk about it as as um a seesaw so even though we we're in the relationship as equals we do realize that at some point someone has to step up and at so when someone's low and vice versa. So it's m- very much like a seesaw at home. If I can't, if I can't take advantage of the flexibility in my house to cater to the kids, he would really have to take off days from work so that he can make up for it. And that's the way that it works at home. I think uh, that's the thing I was going to say to you, Fliss, is that I think what uh, I would have done to have a baby now, as opposed to seven years ago, in the end. Mm-hmm of a pandemic where all those companies that were saying no it's not possible we can't do it you know and then suddenly you know it's funny when cold hard cash is on the table how easy it is to zoom in and log on otherwise they'd have had to shut down and i think when you uh, faced when you face a company with loss of earnings loss of income and a reduced bottom line they can be quite flexible it seems um so I think I have to say, you know, while uh, it's a long way to go, you're 31 weeks, you are, you know, we've got a roadmap to come out of um, this pandemic. And in that, companies are rebuilding how they work. And it is, I really, truly believe, going to uh, enable those with disabilities to work, those with caring responsibilities to work, those living with anxiety to work, 
those just wanting to live. Um, so you know what? I'm resentful towards you, actually. Uh, if I'm going to see <laughs> anywhere, uh, I would like to be having a baby now. <laughs> oh, I mean, there are, that is a definite benefit, and it's it's something that's crossed my mind frequently. Um, how how lucky we are to be at this position um, at this point in time. There are so many negatives to it as well. So having to tell my friends and family over FaceTime, um, not having had a hug off anyone, um, including my own parents, you know. Um, but yeah, actually in terms of the rest of our life, if this is, fingers crossed, a blip and we are coming out the other side, the vaccine is successful, you know, if everything goes well now, then yeah, absolutely. You know, pregnant women right now are probably in a very beneficial position in terms of negotiating flexible working. Um, it's interesting. It is really interesting. But that doesn't, um, doesn't stop the resentment, I don't think, always within your own home, though. Uh, you know, I think um, we've had some very big conversations because Matt was wheeled out on a lot of International Women's Day's uh, panels to talk about male allyship. You know, and it was mainly because I'm so tired of talking about why the system needs to change. I need someone else to pipe up and he's in my own home, you know, and I said, you've got to start talking because I'm knackered and it shouldn't be up to the exhausted mothers who are on you know, wading through PND uh, to be fighting for a change in the system. And he was like, oh, no, you're right. And he's been incredible. But I think the one thing I would say in terms of the resentment is if anyone's listening right now, um, it's easy to see whose job is deemed more important based on finance. But you've got to question why the system is stacked against us. The reason you are earning more is because the gender pay gap usually or equal pay. So really to have these conversations in your own home as to what is important to you, you know, obviously money needs to be there, but so 47% of mothers logged off from their careers in the pandemic compared to fathers. The reason being that they saw their jobs as not important uh, as their partners. And I think, you know, we really need to be pushing the conversation in our own homes uh, as to not just based on finance but based on the future together because the resentment will will ruin your relationship it will break you up um long term yeah absolutely interesting that you brought some stats to the table there because actually I was doing a quick google before and um I read that less than a third of eligible men took any paternity leave in 2019. Um, and that percentage has actually declined for four years in a row. And I do think, you know, the country isn't structured in a way that benefits women. We all know that that's not something that's new information to us. But you're right. It's, it's the misconception that, well, I earn more money, so I should probably be going out to work I agree yeah I mean Anna you really did raise a lot of great points there right it should go beyond oh he earns more so he should work and having that conversation but the reason why that's actually even tricky realistically is in that time you've just had a baby in that time that you're at home sacrificing your career money needs to be brought in so I think the 
the, the honest question that I really want to find out is you, you have this conversation with your partners and I mean, the, the partners, they tend to agree unless of course they want to be deprived of so many things. They're usually on our sides when we have these conversations, right? And so they agree that they're supposed to, it goes beyond just you and more, the equality, the pay gap, let's talk about it. How does that translate into action in the workforce? What do you think the steps, the right steps are? Because it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing for it to become a reality. Like how far away are we from this reality? Well, I think, you know, we look at the uptake on shared parental leave. It's 0.2%, you know? Um, so, and that is on two sides. That's because it's set up to fail. Uh, it's not enticing thing to do, but also uh, our partners, the men in, in this situation, are not pushing for that. So, you know, that's paid shared parental leave. You know, that is a very simple thing to fight for, to fight for within your company. Um, secondly, one in 10 flexible working requests goes through for men, uh, four in 10 goes through for women. So the assumption that in that, yes, there'll be a period biologically where, you know, you will need to have a bit more of the burden of childcare strapped to your shoulders. But uh, ultimately you can, you know, there are other ways of doing this. And, um, you know, I think that it's the unconscious bias at the top as well. Like I heard from a dad two weeks ago and he said, I put my flexible working request in and he was really pumped up. He's like, I went for it. I want to pick up my kid from nursery. Yes. I was like, go, you go girl. Yes. <laughs> he, uh, he said his boss said, um, you know, well, can't your missus do that? And this was in a top. <gasps> he said, well, my missus is a brain surgeon and on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, she needs to be in surgery. So you pick a lane, you know, and I think not that, <laughs> yes. that's not fair in terms of not everybody needs to be a brain surgeon to be afforded flexibility on the other side. But it was the fact that um, that sits at the top. And I think your fears, Fliss, are very valid. You know, I think that we can be made to feel a bit like, um, no, the system's changed. It's all okay. You know, we know there's a gender pay gap, but we'll just brush over that. Or as they did in 2020, just delete it entirely. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was led by the Minister of Women and Equalities. And I was like, if she doesn't have our back, then this is terrifying. We are actually, you know, possibly the fruit, praise be, territory. Um, but, yeah, I think your, your concerns are very valid. But to quickly answer you, Adana, I think those are the two things. We need, uh, we need male allies uh, in our own homes to be fighting for the shared parental leave, to be fighting for uh, equality within their own homes, I think. And it comes down to money, absolutely. But uh, there are structures out there. Flexible working, you know, can then enable you to do a bit more on your side. It doesn't mean money has to be, has to disappear. And that's where equal pay comes in, you know. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of gaps in the bridging. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. At this point, it would probably be good to point out as well that although all three of us have men as partners, not everyone has male partners. They have women and people. And, you know, it's about flexibility across the board for all. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or who you are, you know, and it shouldn't just be for mothers as well, which is part of your campaign. Yeah, well, my sister married a woman. She lives in Amsterdam. And the thing that's been fascinating, I lived with them for a week uh, before writing the gender chapter for Where's My Happy Ending. And uh, what was wonderful in that was there was no gender construct. It was no, there was no mm. expectation of who brought home the bacon, who cooked the bacon. You know, it was all just like all hands on deck in a way still think we have so much deconstruct in our own homes you know no yeah it is that is a bit nuts I'm I actually come from um uh a very I suppose it was not normal at the time but I was the only person who had their dad pick them up all the time so my mum was a headmistress and so she went back to school after she had me and my dad worked from home so I grew up with my dad picking me up my dad taking me to like extracurricular classes my dad having to talk to all the mums in the in the playground and stuff Jeremy they all loved him it was fine but um so I suppose I'm coming at this from a slightly different perspective than my husband is um and so that is probably gonna shape the way we do this it could be weird. Who knows? Let's see what happens in four years time. But I'm pretty determined that this is going to be 50 50. Um, we had a we had a message in the group the other day, his um, just like a, a WhatsApp group. And they were buying tickets to the Rugby World Cup in 2022. 2023. Aaron was straight in there. Yes, please. I'm there. It's in France. I said, great, get me a ticket. And you work out who's going to look after the child. Because it's just, it, it's not ingrained in his mind already. Like it's it's not quite there yet. And I just, that's why I'm slightly worried. It's It's my fear. That's why it's my fear, I suppose. There's definitely a lot of work that needs to be done. There is the, you know, political front pushing policies and agenda. And there is the social construct of what's perceived to be female-led role versus what men are supposed to do without losing their masculinity. So again, it's like Anna said, it's all about allies, uh, not just even having the conversations at home, but, you know, someone like me who is in the parenting space about my husband showing up online like we already do, doing all these roles that are supposed to be female-led or gender stereotype to give people the impression that no it's actually okay for 
the father to do X, Y, Z. And ultimately that translates into how much they would advocate in their workplaces. And then that would translate into policies and equal pay and all that. It's, it's a domino effect anyway, but it's something that we can fight from different angles simultaneously. And there's a guy to highlight who that feeds into what you've just said Adana he's um called James Clary and he's at Coots Bank and he basically sat his 40 strong team down looked them in the eye and just went gave them 10 minutes each and just went what is the rub in your day what really stresses you out uh and it's very rare I think that employer does that and it ranged from school run to mental health issues to father he wanted to see who had Alzheimer's wanted to make him a cottage pie two um, boyfriend and girlfriend who weren't seeing enough of each other. So he, he just sat them all down and he implemented flexible working. Uh, not they didn't, Everyone didn't get everything they needed, but uh, there was a relationship, a conversation. And within three months, their productivity had gone through the roof. And he was seen as going rogue, you know, like his department, what have you done? This is, you know, you've gone against the grain. And actually, coming back to your point, Adana, in terms of male allies, it's not just standing up and standing up and going, yes, equality, uh, equality. Is actually going, I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to probably get some guys up top going, what are you doing? And what he did when they asked him, how did you do this? Why did you do this? Because it's working and we need to know why. Um, he led with a photo of his um, secretary who'd become engaged to her boyfriend in that time. And he said, I did it for the people in my team. It's a byproduct that we're working a lot better. This isn't for mums. This isn't for dads. Um, this is for my secretary who's become engaged to, not disengaged from her boyfriend. It's as simple as that. And uh, then he said, read all of this, um, these files as to how I did it. But I think we need more men to go rogue. Uh, I think probably the best way to describe it, um, to stop feeling it's emasculating caring for your own kid. Um, you know, Matt wipes as much uh, arse as I did back in the day. And, um, Good luck with that, Fliss. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing I just wanted to broach with you both um, is my second biggest fear. And it's after I've had the baby and I'm used to her being around and all that jazz. How am I going to be viewed for prospects? Because I'm a very ambitious woman. And, um, you know, when pay rises and promotions and different roles, new roles, roles outside of the company. I'm I'm just worried about how I fit this around my life. Um and whether actually that's completely the wrong viewpoint to come from anyway. I shouldn't be fitting this around my life. My life should be fitting around this. But how would I fare going against a person who doesn't have the constraints of being a parent? So I think the thing to say is uh, everything, every fear you have is valid. We cannot uh, argue against the current system we sit in. I pray for our own kids, you know, and I will do everything I possibly can to change the landscape by the time they hit this brick wall. But you cannot deny that there is that archaic layer at the top that will say, well, can't you missus do that? You know, that is very much there and I think um, it's to be realistic as well as optimistic um, and I think the way I've navigated it is to consistently think okay I'm role modeling for my daughters consistently role modeling for them in going for everything showing that I'm leading with my talent um, 
at the moment i don't uh i don't mention flexible working in the first interview i secure their interest in me as talent i hate the fact that that's how it is because i wish it was the other way but you know what i go in i nail it i get them interested in me and then i say this is how i'm working and i i think you own it but at the moment there's a little bit of a gray area in terms of being able to own it from the first interview but i think uh the tide is the tide is turning um hugely and i think again i'm not resentful towards you but things are very different now uh in terms of when i was navigating this you know i quit because um there was a company that was saying it's not possible for anyone and now the whole system within that group has changed in five years so um and i think uh it is to remain true to what you want to do recognizing that um you don't necessarily need everything i didn't want to achieve everything uh you know because who was i doing that for ultimately i want to be a mother and actually i was chasing this patriarchal idea of success as well so i had to really struck that in my mind i was like i am a caregiver and that gives, gives me great joy this is my choice but also i i don't want it all but i want something and my something is to communicate and to write and this is how i'm going to do it i'm going to do it really well whatever company employs me but it will be on my terms and i think uh, you don't need to fear so much but i think you need to be aware of what lies <laughs> at the top of these companies sometimes and you have some that are uh, really fast forward, forward thinking like james clary and you have some who uh, are wondering why you're daring to continue working yeah I, i'm gonna definitely echo a hundred percent of what anna just said mostly because every fear is valid right you're this is the first time you're doing this and even me for the third time if i wasn't working for myself i will wonder how i would be perceived when it comes to going back to the to the workforce so um the fear is 100 valid um but no matter how capable you think you are there is still that person sitting at the top of that you know job that you're trying to get thinking why is she bothering to come back she's supposed to be at home if we employ her will we get excuses of a baby's sake all of all that stuff that might be a hindrance and that is is a very valid fear because i have personally experienced it um when i after taking maternity leave i think for my first or second i can't remember there's so many children now <laughs> i can't remember but i remember going back to work and i i was gonna do like a almost i was gonna going very slowly right so i didn't want to go into like full training and i thought okay i'm gonna get locum positions where i can get a level of flexibility to even decide for myself am i ready to go back to work and i quickly realized that being a mom shouldn't be the first thing that should come out of my mouth like anna said like you go to get a job or flexible working shouldn't be the first thing like you nail the interview nail the job show them your credentials get in the door and then if i really do need to leave because my child is sick i will leave because my child is sick okay? so all of all those fears are valid um yeah but you would never you never really know you just really have to just go for it for you personally i mean if you're going to take maternity leave and come back i i suppose the advantage is coming back to a workforce of people you already know like colleagues people are going to be excited to have you back however you really wouldn't even know if that 
influences the prospects of you getting promoted because everyone's looking at Fliss as this new mom who might not be able to give in that extra sacrifice or work longer. You just don't know. But really, it's a fear because we have heard stories that it, it happens. It is a reality. Well, it's 54,000 women every year lose their jobs through, you know, <laughs> discrimination uh it's you know it's not a fear it's it's a reality but uh i think we're at a period of um of shifting where you uh fliss all of uh the other mums who are coming through this have a chance to really change the narrative around this because there's two points one is we've been glamorizing overworking for so long like there is nothing glamorous about warming a seat you know uh i think we it's very easy to forget that the reason you can do a job in one hour is because you took 15 years to get to that point of being able to do it in an hour and i think we are the least productive country in the eu well not in the eu anymore but we're the least productive country in um in europe you know and there's a reason because this competitive seat warming which i didn't experience in amsterdam has been so inherent and so ingrained in the way that we work um that now i think we are starting to see the dial turning um but i i think the other thing is to be really confident in knowing that there are creative ways of being flexible that if you decide there's this massive job I want to go for but like me I want to retain that full sense of being there for my daughters um job sharing why are we not fighting for this you know why are we not going do you know what I'm so experienced I know another woman who's so experienced together we'd nail this um and my dad said to me the other day why do we call it um job sharing we should call it job pairing like you're pairing felicity another amazing woman and you've got two minds on this it's more value um and we're really starting to see a move in these bigger positions um where you know it, it's it's it comes down to choice but i think companies are opening their eyes um at the moment we do need to present them i think with that creativity but i do hope you know by the time our daughters have grown up that it will just be you know woven into the fabric of our our working world absolutely so i think i i'm about to bamboozle you guys with uh, a personal anecdote but i'm 31 now i started working i got my first job when i was 14 um and i have never ever worked beside anyone or in the same office closely with anyone who's been on maternity leave. Wow. So I think this is where, I think this is where my, my fears start because I quite literally have no experience even seeing it from afar. This is crazy, Fliss. I mean, we need to unpack that a bit more. <laughs> like, so do you mean like, have you worked with women who've become mothers and just haven't taken maternity leave? No. And they have, or have you worked with mothers who, this is like a game of top trumps. Have you worked, have you worked with um, mothers who just haven't returned to the workforce? They went off? So I, I have, I, I'm obviously a stylist now um, and it is, oh, there are obviously a lot of mothers and my boss, Lisa Smazarski, is a very, very good example of someone who manages an exceptional career and three kids and gives them all the love and joy that she has. Um, so I, now I've been in, I've been with stylists for two years. I have seen women who have got kids very much smashing the shit out of life but 
before being a stylist, no, I had I'd never seen a woman take maternity leave. I'd never seen a woman get pregnant and work. I mean, that's going to give you a lot of fear, I think. Uh, like the optics just not being there. And I think um, it reminds me of when I, uh, I decided not to go through and continue being a lawyer because when I did my mini pupillage, I couldn't see any women beyond childbearing age. You know, the optics terrifying and so I was like I need to be a journalist here because I can see a freelance career around that at 21 I was already curtailing my own career because I couldn't see women uh, going through childbirth so you know I kind of experienced that as well um but is this just in media have you just worked within yeah 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 the last 10 the last 10 12 years I've just been in in media in London and you know I was I was um a newspaper journalist so it's it's a very very male dominated very male heavy at the top um and it it's it tends to be full of younger journalists because the hours are rubbish so no one else would put up with that <laughs> yeah definitely can see where the fear is coming from because if it's with younger journalists and I suppose if you haven't yet gotten to where you are now of trying to have a, a baby start a family um, there is that pressure of course inevitably like what's my life going to look like when I come back you know what's the job going to be like will I be stripped away of responsibilities that I am very well capable of because of the way that it's perceived you know that is that is a genuine fear and it's it's terrifying honestly it is I personally experienced it like in my career as a medic and um, when you talk about the most you look at the most successful surgical consultants and they pretty much live in the hospital because you're almost more respected the more badass you are and badass in quote is how much longer you're able to stay back how much procedures you're able to do how much xyz always in comparison to the to the men and these are the men who have gone through their careers as consultant surgeons leaving all of the responsibility of parenting to their wives so if you're working in that sort of environment where you know everything looks rosy for you because there's someone at home doing it and you're just bringing in the money you can't understand why another woman who's a mother is trying to do the same job as you and i suppose that's the same thing in you know in 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 your case where women who would not get the visual that there there are other women having children being moms and being bad as journalists just rather prefer either not to come back or just to delay family planning altogether or like you that wants it all um rightfully so um to just be terrified of what it's going to look like when you do go back to work yeah I mean I just threw caution to the wind and was like fuck it yeah. <laughs> the best attitude because I think what you, it's a very good point to make, uh, what you said earlier, Fliss, is that it's a huge privilege. You know, it's a huge privilege to get pregnant. Um, and you don't always have mother nature on your side, you know, like, and so I think you've got in terms of resentment, you've also got to factor in um, delaying 
biological decisions, uh, you know, having a family because of this job that's refusing any flexibility around it or your perceived fear of what the future might um, hold. I think each and every one of us has a responsibility to sort of raise our voice in that and to be the person that kind of breaks down the door a little bit more for the person behind them. Because I swear to you, there would have been people at all the magazines you've worked at, even if there's mothers now, I reckon 10 years ago, it would have probably been the same. There would have been an element of like, oh God, career suicide, she's had a baby. Whereas I think now, because men are picking up more of the childcare, uh, there is increased, you know, incremental steps uh, of equality. We are getting there that I think the, the playing ground is playing field is a little more level. So it's not quite to the same extent as it was. But I think do not fear using two things in future interviews. One is to wield the gender pay gap to your advantage. This is a new tool that we have, it needs to be closed. No company likes that glaring hole of inequality. It's not good for business um, you can use that and, and flexible working is the primary way to close the gender pay gap uh, it has been pointed out by the equality and human rights commission and if you right now are listening to this wondering well what can i do you know how can i even start to broach this it's all very well you guys chatting away you know felicity it seems like you're in a safe position anna and adana your work yourselves this doesn't help me the thing you can do is send the Equality and Human Rights Commission's Working Forward Pledge to your HR department today. Um, you literally send it to them and you say, I think this is something brilliant to sign up to. And before they sign up to it, they have to read through what uh, it pinpoints and that is uh it's equality it is ethnicity reporting uh it is ensuring that there are as many flexible working requests going through for men as there are for women and big companies have signed up we've got ford there's pets for home there's um deloitte you know there are huge organizations and i think once you start using your competitors from the business you're in to your advantage and going, do you know what, over there, they're doing this. Do you know what, when somebody comes back from maternity leave, they buddy her up with somebody who's just got through maternity leave. You know, like we need to start forming these little moments where that's not a huge amount of time from your side to go, how can I lead this conversation positively within my quite archaic situation and go, you know what, you've got a gender pay gap. I can close it to an extent by implementing these few things. We just need a little gender network to get this going. Um, and at the moment, whereas unfortunately 10 years ago, that probably would have had been shut down pretty quickly. You'll find now that the employers, quite fusty boardrooms full of men are looking for any easy wins in um, reducing that um, glaring hole of inequality. Wow, that's amazing. I'm there. I'm writing. <laughs> Anna, thank you so much for joining us. It has been just an exceptional time to speak to you. And, you know, I can only hope that flexible working for everyone uh, means less sacrifices and more time doing the things we love. Thank you so much for having us. And remember, it's not a revolution that we're talking about. It's simply evolution. It's simply moving forward. That's what I think we need to get over. And let's about flex baby Adana I mean I've been taking notes 
what are your key takeaways from that? What are you going to, if you had to take a tiny little piece of Anna with you, what would it be? Uh, the strongest piece of Anna I would take is the idea that this is an evolution and not a revolution because it's the little things we're doing to move forward as we should as human beings anyway. Um, and also the idea of having more male allies. I mean, so inspiring when she talked about, you know, Matt taking the stage because at some point you get bored of talking over and over again. It's like, no, the people who need to help us influence this change are actually the men who are less affected by this thing we're talking about. So we need to pull them up on stage. We need to have allies that, you know, that talk about these things beyond just in the household and also deconstruct, you know, the visuals when it comes to the social aspect of what is perceived to be a typical gender role, specifically when it comes to parenting. So um, Anna really dropped a lot of gems there and, and it was such a pleasure to be in the same conversation as her. I know. And I've written down here a few bits. We need to stop glamorizing overworking. I'm going to get that one made into a wall sticker um, <laughs> for my for my study. Um, Fliss, you need to be realistic and optimistic. Again, maybe a tattoo. Um, <laughs> and the third thing I've written down that I just absolutely loved, and it really it encompasses how I think and how I feel, is um, we need more men to go rogue. Just that as a phrase. I'm there for it. You know, we can't do all the work, and it's exactly what you said. Actually, Adana, I've also written down from you, um, it's like a seesaw. And I think as a visual in my mind, that's something I will definitely take away with me. So I think it's been an incredibly productive therapy session for me. Thank you so much for all your help. The thing is, Adana, with the seesaw at this point in the pandemic, in lockdown, I'm at the point where I've just bashed the seesaw up and I'm just hitting my head with it. You know, like it's not a very balanced seesaw at the moment, but you know, we can do what we can. It's been up pleasure so lovely to talk to you both and um good luck with the babies thank, thank you. you thank you anna thank you we're gonna celebrate with zero percent beard <laughs> wild while the men go rogue well that's all for this episode of baby on the brain a special thank you to my absolutely brilliant co-host Adana Steinecker and to our wonderful guest Anna who answered all of our questions. From how new mothers view their career prospects to the imbalance in the uptake of parental leave, we tackled everything. As ever, it would be great to hear from you if you had thoughts though. You can tweet us at Stylist Magazine, find us on Instagram and use the hashtag StylistBabyOnTheBrain. Next week, we're switching things up a bit. I'm joined by Nina Malone, founder of the Dope Black Mums, and she's going to host the episode. I will be her co-host. Joining us as a guest will be psychotherapist Keely Taverner. Together, we'll be tackling motherhood through the lens of black women in the UK today, and more specifically digging into the mental health challenges that surround being a parent. Remember to subscribe, share, and leave us a review on the App Store.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 